Hello and welcome to another podcast brought to you by Life Community Church, Leamington Spa. Recorded at one of our Sunday morning services, we hope this message inspires, equips and encourages you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Fantastic. Technology, eh? Great to see everyone. How are we all doing? Great. I'm just really excited um, at the moment by what's happening in church life. Yeah, who else is excited about what's happening in church life? So um, we're going to talk more about this next week, but Oasis, which is the the relaunch of of adults and seniors ministry, had a great time yesterday. Give us a wave view at the Oasis event, doing flower arranging. Yeah, that was a brilliant time. we had a great week this week of, of prayer and fasting, and I was really encouraged by, by Friday. Um, 28 people were involved in the sort of non-stop prayer event from sort of 7 to 7 o'clock at night. And do you know what, church? I really sensed a shift happen. I can actually tell you a time when a shift happened. I felt it was about 12.30 um, in the afternoon. I felt a real shift happen about something that God was launching us into in the future um, as life of the church. I'm really excited about that. There's so much that is going on. Let me encourage you with all these Easter things. And we, the reason we, we give you flyers, and as you're on your seat, you'll see these, is these are seeds. These are seeds for you to not just think, oh, that's nice. I might or may not attend that. That's for you to prayerfully think, who can I give that to? Um, we do have a sign-up sheet at the back. Can you, here's a challenge, can you fly your street? Can you pray and invest, and can you own your street for Jesus? Amen? The street where you live that no one else lives in, can you own it for Jesus? What does that mean? Can you think, well, maybe I'm going to grab 20, 30, how many houses are on your street and put the flyers through letterbox? Could you do that? Could you do that? I know some of us are are more uh, mobile than others, but can you do that? Yeah? If you can, can you put your name on the sign-up sheet saying what street you're going to do so we know collectively and then maybe you can be part of a wider publicity team that are going to fly literally a lot of the houses around the, the centre of the church. Please talk to Cam. Cam, give us a wave. Mr. Chicken. Give, give us a <laughs> Chicken's friend. Chicken's friend. Um, best friend. Can you uh, talk to Cam afterwards? Let's, let's do this, shall we? Come on, church. Let's do this. This is not about bums on seats, as, as Chris said. This is about a seed that we can sow into the community. But it needs hard work. It needs work to own our streets. We don't live where you live, but that's, your, that's where God's placed you. Amen? Great. Well, we're going to be continuing with part two today of our, uh, our three-part mini-series called Worship and Wonder. And this whole series is about the concept of, in times of, of difficulty, questions, crisis, if you like, wonder... How can we find a place in our lives, maybe as Christians, where we can find a place to worship Jesus? Is that really, really possible? Or do we let the circumstances of life sometimes get on top of us and, and prevent us from really worshipping and pressing into what God has for us? And we're going to be looking at three different Easter events. The thing about Easter is we see Easter from the completed series of events, don't we? We see it that Jesus came, he died, and he rose again. But imagine that you were one of those first disciples, walking with your friend, walking with your master, Jesus, for three years on planet Earth, and you didn't think, see it coming. You perhaps saw Jesus was the king, you saw God, Jesus was God, and you thought he was going to take the throne there and then. You didn't see he had to suffer. You had questions, you had different confused confuse at times. Imagine that. So this is why we're looking at 
three different events in the life of the Easter narrative to help us think about how we can look at that to, to encourage us and to inspire us in the whole area of our worship. So there we go, signposts. Maybe you're unsure, you're lost, unclear, baffled, confused, puzzled. Who, who's ever felt those different emotions at times? We all do. So I'm going to continue with part two today. And um, gosh, when I was 20, I came back to, I gave my life back to the Lord. I came back to faith. I was brought up in a Christian home. Many of you know my story. And it was at the age of 20 when I really fully gave my life back to God and said, God, I'm yours, whatever, whenever, it's, it's, it, I belong to you. And um, I remember I was, I was starting to go to a church in Peterborough. I was in Peterborough at the time. Uh, in my year out from uni, part of a, a church there. It was a, an Elim church. And, um, and one morning, I was, I was just absolutely streaming with cold. Streaming with cold. And so much that I felt just shivers and everything. Who's ever felt like that? And I just couldn't go to church. I didn't want to bless everyone with my, my germs. And I was literally... And, and who's ever felt sorry for themselves? Who's ever been lying in bed, feeling sorry for themselves? Maybe, achoo, moosh, you know, and you just don't feel very well and you wish you were somewhere else. In that time, I wish I was in a church service worshipping Jesus, but I wasn't. I was in bed and I was full of germs and the flu and feeling miserable. And it was raining outside. Whoever feels miserable when it's raining? And, uh, and then this thought came to me. As I was sitting, looking outside the window, raining, wish I was in a church service where everyone was going to be celebrating God and start to worship. Start to worship. So I got my CD player at the time. It was pre-days of the MP3s and stuff, you know. Got my CD player and, and put in a, a CD of, of one of my favorite worship tunes. And I didn't feel like it. And this thought would kept coming over and over, start to worship, start to worship. So I think, okay, God, I'm going to start to worship and um, start to sing. Right? And you know when you've got a cold, you don't really, well, maybe some of us, we don't sing in tune anyway. But it's even worse when you've got a cold, isn't it? And you don't sing in tune. But, yeah, but no one can hear, it's fine. Perhaps my housemates could downstairs, and, but I'm going to sing anyway. And I started to sing. I started just to worship. And uh, do you know what? As I started to worship, there was a shift that began to happen. I was no longer thinking that I felt full of cold. I was no longer thinking that I felt it was raining outside and I felt sad or I felt whatever. I started to feel I have a spring in my step. Why? Because I started to worship when I didn't feel like it. And we all have times in our lives when we don't feel like worshipping, do we? We don't feel like worship. And... Uh, maybe in our lives and it's times of pressure and we all go through times of pressure don't we deadlines of of work or or college or whatever it is university and we don't feel because the pressure is upon us maybe in times of relational issues and someone's hurt us or it's we've gone through conflict we don't feel like worshiping maybe in times when you just just I don't know, when it is raining, the weather's bad or whatever. Times of ill health. Times of ill health. Last night, um, I, I, I felt really ill. I felt really ill for a whole hour. I literally was bent over double. I was, felt absolutely ill. But in that, I, was, 
I just found a place just to be able to just, even just to pray. Even to pray, even though I was bent over double, ill. Because it's not about how we feel. It's about the fact that we can have the amazing privilege of worship. But how do we do that in times when we have these questions of uncertainty, confusion, doubt, if you like, wonder? And I'm so grateful that in all our situations of life that God's word can help us. God's word can really help us. But I've got this thought for us today. And it's simply this. Jesus is king means everything in worship. Jesus is king means everything in worship. And we're going to be looking at a passage of scripture. It's found in all four gospels. Um, So it's an important passage of scripture. Actually, we're going to be talking about it a bit prematurely because it's actual time we should be talking about it is going to be in a few weeks' time on our baptismal service, which is Palm Sunday. We're going to be looking at the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And we're going to see what that means for us and how it can help us with worshipping Jesus in times of, of wonder. Jesus King's means everything in worship. So we're going to pick up the story, the account in Matthew. Matthew chapter 22. Sorry, 21. Matthew chapter 21. It's found in all four Gospels. And all four Gospels have Mark and Matthew are very similar um, because of the way those books have been written. And then different emphases are found in John and also in Luke. But we're going to be looking at Matthew, which gives the more detailed account of the triumphal entry. But having the back of our minds that Jesus is king means everything in our worship. Verse 1. Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you. And immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. And think about the book of Matthew. Matthew loves to refer to the Old Testament, especially the the prophets of the Old Testament, to show actually what Jesus is doing is actually a a fulfillment of what was prophesied many years ago. So in verse 4, Matthew says, so verse 5, Matthew talks from Zechariah 9 verse 9. and says, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. We're just going to pause it there. We've got Jesus coming to Jerusalem, riding on a a baby donkey, a foal, a colt. Jesus. Jesus, for many, many, for a few years now, has told his disciples, don't tell people who I am. Don't tell people that I am the Messiah. Don't tell people that I am, if you like, the, the coming king. Don't tell people. The time is not yet now to disclose who I am. But now we have Jesus saying to his disciples, go and get me a donkey. Go and get me a donkey. Go and get me a donkey that I'm going to ride into Jerusalem during this Passover festival. 
This is a time when literally multitudes are gathering on their annual pilgrimage to Jerusalem to celebrate this, this celebration, this feast called the Passover, which celebrates how the Israelites were, were rescued from slavery in Egypt and delivered through the hand of Moses. The thing about the donkey is this. A donkey is actually an animal. It would be a domesticated animal, an animal used for carrying burdens in work. But it's also a symbol that kings would use. Kings often would ride either on a war horse, which is a sign of, of victory after battle, or they'd ride on a donkey, which is the, the symbol of peace. And what Luke's account expounds for us is that Jesus came not just on any donkey, not just on any uh, cult, but it was actually a cult that had never been ridden on. Kings would never ride on someone else's animal. Kings would always ride on an animal that had never been ridden on before. And suddenly you've got this sense of Jesus actually proclaiming in a, in a very visual way, now is the time for people to know that I am the king. Now is the time for people to know that I am the Messiah that has been prophesied many years ago. Now is the time for people to know that. So you've got a donkey. A donkey's never been written on. And Jesus sitting on it. And it says in verse 8, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches, or as, as John's account says, palm branches, from the trees and spread them on the road. That's why we call it Palm Sunday. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Now Hosanna means save us or save us now. Save us. It's the people responding to Jesus coming to the, the capital on a donkey. Hey, this is the king. This is the king. There's multitudes. Why is there multitudes? There's multitudes for two reasons. A, it's the Passover, but B, Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus, and word about this has, 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 has spread from person to person, and they cannot believe this amazing news. So people gather to see this person, this prophet called Jesus, coming to Jerusalem. Hosanna, save us, the son of David. Son of David means king. It's a reference to the line of David where the kings of David came, ultimately leading to the Messiah. It's saying, save us, Messiah. Save us. Save us. Save us from the clutches of, the Rome, of Rome. Save us from our political constraint that we find ourselves in. Save us. Take the throne, Jesus. Take the throne. Save us now. Blessed. Talking from Psalm 118, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Save us in the highest. The people are seeing Jesus as their coming king. Verse 10, and when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Everyone say all. All the city was a little bit bothered. All the city was just a bit curious. 
all the city was moved, saying, who is this? Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Imagine you're in this context right now. You imagine you're, you're there. And imagine you're just, the streets are lined with clothes. People are laying down their, their, their cloaks on the ground. People are laying down freshly cut palm trees on the ground. All of these were signs of Jesus' kingship. A, a, a king returning from victory and war would ride on a donkey or on a war horse, particularly on a war horse, over clothes. People publicly showing homage. The king, uh, uh, in times of uh, the, the palm trees, is in times of, of great celebration for kingship and also in the games, in the Roman games, if people won, they put palm trees. A sign of victory. A sign of victory. This was Jesus, as they said, a prophet from Nazareth. I think he's the king. I think he's the king. I think he's going to save us. He's just raised someone from the dead. He's, he's got amazing teaching and he performs miracles. This person can save us from Rome. This person can save us from our situation. This is King Jesus. This is King Jesus. And in this whole narrative, we have a sense of who Jesus is and who people thought he was. And the people think rightly. The people think that he is Jesus, the king. And it brings us back to that thought today. Jesus as king means everything in worship. Jesus as king means everything in worship. If Jesus is not king, it does not mean anything. Why should we worship? If Jesus isn't king in your life, you shouldn't worship. You shouldn't worship. If you're not yet a Christian today, then maybe if Jesus isn't king in your life, well, why should I worship, you might ask. Well, absolutely. Everyone, as I said last week, worships something. Everyone ascribes worth to something because we place value on something. If you're a Christian here today, is Jesus king in your life? Is Jesus king in your life? Or maybe you're part of the, the multitude there, some of them thinking, well, who is this? Maybe you're beginning to believe. Maybe on that journey you're beginning to, to believe. Maybe there is something special about this Jesus. But if Jesus is king, worship is everything. So how what does it unpack for us today? What can you learn about this today? Thank you. Jesus king means everything in your worship because of three things. Number one, the person. Jesus king means everything in your worship because of the person. Because Jesus wasn't just a man. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just, there was many, and also, at the time, there's actually several people healing people. Jesus wasn't the only person in the times of Jesus healing and performing miracles. I don't hear many accounts of people raising people from the dead. So there's something special about Jesus. Now, hopefully I won't break this. I'm not, I, won't, I won't put it on my head. This, uh, for everyone looking or those listening on podcast, is uh, my daughter Isabella's tiara. A tiara. And she loves, as does Sophia, loves to dress up as princesses and, uh, and put it on her head with their costumes and flowing gowns. And, and uh, yeah, beautiful. Um, I won't put that on my head because A, I'd look silly, and B, it won't fit. And I'll break it. But um, 
yeah, it's a symbol, isn't it? It's a symbol of, of, of royalty. Symbol of royalty. Jesus is king. I wonder if you knew you were going to have a, a one-to-one with the queen. How would that affect you? How would that affect what you wore? How you're going to dress her? How you're going to act? Maybe you might feel, feel a bit, have a few clammy hands and feel a bit nervous. And apparently when, you, when, when people are about to meet the queen, they're told exactly what to say and what not to say. Um, and obviously in, in olden times, if you said the wrong thing, it could mean off with your head. The queen, royalty. But Jesus is king. Jesus is king. But the thing is, Jesus is king, but the people had a different concept of who King Jesus was. Jesus wasn't coming riding on a war horse. Jesus came riding on a donkey. The symbol of peace. Why? Hear this church. Because Jesus was about to wear the the best, most significant crown he was ever going to wear. That crown of thorns symbolizing his suffering for us. Jesus came in peace because he came with the ultimate mission of bringing peace between God and humankind. That was his purpose. That was his mission on earth. And that still is is his mission. And that's our mission as part of our church is to bring peace between people and God. People and God. Because there's no one like Jesus. There's no one. Can you remember, if you're a Christian here today, can you remember that time when you gave your life to Christ? Can you remember that occasion? I see smiles on people's faces. Maybe we should remember those occasions even more. Maybe we should daily remind ourselves of that time when we gave our life to Christ. And maybe some of us here today, maybe we love gathering to this place called Life Community Church. Maybe for some of us it's our home. We love to gather every week. But who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Is he the king? Is he Anne's king? Is he Thelma and Viv's king? But is he your king? Because if he's, your, if he's not yet your king, you haven't yet made peace with yourself, your heart, and Jesus, and God. You haven't made peace with him. Because you can't, you can come to this place and you can try and worship and you can sing the songs. But ultimately what God wants and the reason why Jesus gave his life so brutally for you and I is to be, bridge the gap between us and Father God. To be peace, the peacemaker, the ultimate peacemaker. The ultimate peacemaker. Why? Because who here is perfect? No one. No one. Not even Liam. Leanne's not perfect. Neither am I. Absolutely not. So no one's perfect, but God is perfect. God is absolutely perfect. And we mess up. We do things wrong, don't we? Think things wrong. Do things wrong. Say things wrong. And God knows that. But God wants perfection. Hang on a minute. I can't worship someone that wants perfection. God wants perfection. But God made a way. God put on, God Almighty put on, if you like, human flesh. He became a man. And he faced all the temptations to gossip or do the wrong thing or to get angry and to, and to 
probably to kill and to do all sorts of stuff. That things that you and I face. The Bible says he was tempted at all points as we were, yet he did not sin. So because God, as man, not he wasn't just pretending to be man, he was man. Because he didn't sin, meant he was blameless. He didn't have any blame. He'd never done anything wrong like you or me. Isn't that amazing? Yet, he died. He died. He died so that you and I don't have to die. The Bible says that the things that you and I do wrong, the wages of sin are death. But by putting our faith in Jesus, to say, Jesus, would you forgive me for those things I do wrong? On a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Would you forgive? Would you cleanse me? Would you wash me? I want you to be my king. I want you to be my king. And when we do that, church, we can know the peace of God. When I gave my life back to Jesus at the age of 20, I wept. I wept like a baby. They weren't sad tears. They were tears of absolute joy. Now, it suddenly had, had changed in my life. As, as, as happened in so many people here. But church, Jesus has to be king. Jesus has to be king, and that means everything. The second thing, just really quickly, because we're running out of time, is Jesus is king means everything in your worship because of his purposes. The thing about this crowd, and it's a fickle crowd, is the hails of Hosanna soon turn to cries of crucify him. The hails of Hosanna soon come to turn to cries of crucify him. Why? Because the crowds were expecting one thing, one outcome. Their expectation was one thing, but the outcome was something very different. Their expectation was Jesus, this guy that performed the supernatural miracles and amazing teaching. He's going to take the king and he's going to deliver us from the Romans. That was their expectation. But no, he died. Uh, actually, he was going to he was going to take the throne, but before he died, it wasn't about taking a political throne. And so they turned on him. They turned on him, and, and rather than hailing him as Hosanna, save us, they realised that wasn't what he was going to do. So they crucified him. A fickle crowd. But isn't that the same with our relationships and our walk with God sometimes? In the diff- if we're a Christian in the difficulties of life, sometimes it's like, where are you, God? Which is it's fine to question God. God's bigger than all our questions. It's fine to go through the turmoil of stuff. But sometimes we, we thought our expectation was this, and then life happened, or something unexpected happened, and the outcome was something very different to what we were expecting. And we can turn on God, or turn our back against him. We may not shout out, crucify him, but if we do turn our backs on him, that's exactly what we're saying. The encouragement is, when life doesn't turn out as we're expecting, is Jesus still king? Is Jesus still king? Can you still say, God, I want to come with a different perspective and I want to worship you? The thing is, he's a Daniel's binoculars. And we zoom in so often on the, on the problem, on the details of our lives. And we're expecting God for this detail of my life. Oh yeah, come on God. You're going you're gonna to do this for me, aren't you? Me and my family. I'm expecting this outcome. And it doesn't happen. And because it doesn't happen, we're so focused on that outcome 
that we get despondent, despair, and we can throw a lot in. It does not work in. I don't know if you've ever seen Google Earth. If you go into Google and you, you put, go on Google Maps and you put in a place, you see that location, you can see the street view of that location. You can see outside someone's house. And then if you, if you then zoom out and keep zooming out, suddenly that house becomes a street, the street becomes a town, town becomes um, uh, the country, and the country becomes the world. And you see a different perspective. You see God's perspective. You see the bigger picture. And church, there's a bigger picture to everything that's happening in your life. There's a bigger perspective. We see from the eyes of our life on planet Earth, but if we've got a Christian, there's eternity to be lived. What about the martyrs that lived a short life but died for their faith? Does that mean they have to turn their back on God? No, because they're now in a different perspective because they're outside of, of our constraints of time in the presence of Jesus. We've got to see from a different perspective. We've got to understand there's a bigger purpose. There's a bigger purpose to your life, to the things happening in your world. Things might happen as you want. Sometimes they don't come happen as you like. And things come from left field. But we can worship Jesus, even in those difficult times. Amen? Amen? So the challenge is when those difficult times come, and they do, are you going to turn your back and say, oh, and it's fine to have questions. It's fine to have doubts. You know, I shared last week about Leanne and the family and her dad passing away so suddenly in a time when it should have been a season of joy. It's time to have questions. It's time to have doubts. But can you still praise? Can you still praise him in every season of the soul? Every season of the soul. I'm preaching to myself here. Every season of my soul, every season of your soul, is there a shout of praise? Is there a shout of praise? Amen? Jesus' King means everything in your worship because of the person, his purposes. And finally, his plans. His plans. And if faith is the currency of heaven, then praise and worship is the expression of heaven. If faith is the currency of heaven, because down here we're believing God for stuff, and every time you believe God in faith, regardless of the outcome, that is so precious to Jesus. That is amazing. That's precious. And God says, yes, they're trusting me. They're trusting me. They're trusting me. They're trusting me. They don't know the outcome. They're trusting me. They're trusting me. That's the currency of heaven. But the expression of heaven is our praise and worship. And if you like, remember, re rewinding in, 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 in the Bible, rewinding in the times of the Old Testament, different tribes made up the nation of Israel. But in times of a battle, what was the tr name of the tribe that always preceded the rest of the armies? What was it? A tribe called Judah. A, time, a, a tribe called Judah. Judah means praise. So God was saying, and God was putting a model and a picture for there, then, and also for now, that in times of the fiercest battle, 
times when you have to trust me most, send forth that tribe first who are going to be the praising tribe, the people that know what it is to praise. Send them forth and then the warriors after. The warriors after. But now we haven't got an army, have we? But you've got to praise. You've got to praise. You've got to praise. And God wants you and me to learn that in times of difficulty and challenge, what do we do? We put the praise first. We put the praise first. We get confused with the difference between praise and worship. I'm not going to go too much into it today. Praise is that, that declaration of who God is. Worship is that more intimate where you draw close to kneel, to bow down. But we need praise first. We need praise first because praise unlocks something in the heavenlies. Praise is about faith. Praise is about you not knowing the outcome, but you're going to choose to trust God anyway. You're going to praise him. You're going to praise him. You're going to praise him. There's so many different ways of praising. Let me just... Turn on to this scripture, please, in Ephesians chapter 5. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation or wastefulness, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourself. Speaking to yourself? Speaking to God? What does it say, verse 19? Out loud together, speaking to one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. When we praise and when we worship, we do it two ways. We do it to God, but we also are doing it to each other. Is that horizontal. What do you mean? Well, when I'm praising God, I'm saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. And I might have a bad voice. I'm singing it to encourage Gency. I'm singing it to encourage Gency. And it might just be that Gency needs some encouragement today. Because I'm singing about the truth of who God is and what he's done. The great things. I might be going through a really bad time, season myself. But we praise only, anyway. We praise. Why? Are we put it on a face? No. It's about a shift in the heavenlies. It's an exchange of currency, of faith. Saying, God... I believe if you're God, if you're King Jesus, you can do every, anything and everything. So I'm going to trust you in my situations. I'm going to believe you for my circumstances. And I'm going to praise you. I'm going to release something. I'm going to release something. There's different ways. And that's why we, we pray. We sing to each other and, and, and as well as to God. There's different ways. We sing. We sing about the truth of God. And we, you know, the truth of God's word. We Many of the songs are based, or should always be based, on the word of God. Because we're singing about the truth of God. We might shout. What's shouting about? Shouting, as in a battle. Before battle, they shouted, didn't they? They're about to face their enemy. They shouted. But it wasn't a shout of, let's just make a noise. It was a victory shout. I'm going to engage the enemy, but come on, we can do this. And sometimes, church, we offer a shout in church because it releases faith. It releases faith to say, God, you can do it. Not we can do it, God, you can do it. We clap. We clap. Why do we clap? Different reasons why we clap. 
We clap because it's a celebration of who Jesus is and what he's done on the cross. Amen? We shout, but also we, shout, we clap, sorry, we clap because of victory. We clap not just of what is being done, but what is going to be done. A bit like the shout. It's a clap. It's a declarative thing. And have you ever felt different when you've clapped? Have you ever felt different when you thought, I didn't feel like worship, but I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing, as Kath said last week, with Welly. Have you ever felt different when we released a shout? Because something shifts from you, your feelings as a man or woman. I feel I've got a cold today, or I feel I'm under the weather, or I feel life's upon me, to suddenly faith springing up inside of you. Because God wants us to worship. He wants us to praise, which is the declaration, and he wants us to move into that time of intimacy and worship. Why? Because he's the king that brought you and me peace. Riding that donkey 2,000 years ago. I say this every week. I said last week, I say this again. Let's, let's bring our praise. Let's bring our praise every Sunday. And it might look differently for every single one of us. My, but my encouragement to you is take a next step in your expression of praise and worship. To be honest, sometimes I get bored. I get bored personally of maybe how I worship. So I want to do things differently. I want to share. And there's so many different ways. You know, you can kneel. Kneel is just a symbol of saying, God, I just respect you. As someone would kneel before a king. Well, Jesus is king. So someone's feel free just to get out of your seats and to, and to kneel. Someone in life group was talking this week that they want more space in the aisle, in the, in the church, because they want to dance more. Or use the aisles. Or feel free to move your chair to the side a bit more. It doesn't matter, we're relaxed here. Let's make space to praise Jesus. Amen? It looks, looks different, but take a step. Why stick to, to praying the way you've always prayed, praising the way you've always praised? What else can you do? God's a, such a creative God. Such a, 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 you know, he created the world. So make space to praise. Praise creatively. If, if you've been praising God, let me just, I'm not saying this disrespectfully. If you've been praising God, as we all can do, for the last 10 years, the same method. Maybe you've sung a song and you just clap in time. Or out of time, as I might do sometimes. You know. Maybe it's time to do something else. Maybe it's time to raise your hand. Well, what does raising our hands mean? Raising our hands, it, raising our hands is like the international sign of surrender. Saying, okay, God, if you're king, I surrender my life to you. I surrender how I feel this morning to offer you my praise and my worship this morning. See, that's why we raise our hands. Sometimes we raise our hands and we don't know why we're doing it. That's one of the reasons why we do it. It's good to have an understanding. Maybe some of you have never danced before. Well, I'm not a very good dancer. I went to a wedding last week and someone said I was doing the dad dance. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I just, sometimes I just like to jump. You know, you can jump or you can... I love it. Where, where's is Vicky here today? No, uh, Vicky, I love it when Vicky, she, she goes for it like this, you know. So just dance however you want, you know, this great band and, and the music's going. Just dance, let, let go a bit, you know. But you're not doing, well, you are doing it to each other because you're encouraging each other. But ultimately, it's for God, isn't it? And it releases, when we move, it releases something in the atmosphere and in your heart of faith. 
And I wonder, if you decided to do that, and if we decided to do this as a church, the stories that we will tell of things that we were facing that we saw breakthrough in because we sent our praise first. Yeah? Amen? I wonder. I wonder, because we're not exempt from hard times, but I wonder if we said every time we meet, every time, every time, every time, but I don't feel like it, every time, I'm going to put on my praise. I'm going to put on my praise. I'm going to dance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sing. I'm going to clap. I'm going to raise my hands. I'm going to kneel. I'm going to do different expressions. I wonder. Let me encourage you. Stand to your feet right now. Time has well and truly gone, and we're going to bring us into land. But I want to show us something. And I'm not just doing this for, um, for show. But if Jesus is king, that first Palm Sunday, that was two days before the anointing of himself by Mary in the house of Simon the leper, Jesus coming riding on a donkey. And imagine the crowds. They're cheering, they're clapping, they're laying down their clothes, they're laying down their palm leaves. Jesus riding them. Jesus, the king of peace. Jesus, the king of peace. And the, the crowds misunderstood. The disciples probably misunderstood. But we now see from a different perspective. Jesus is the conquering king. He's the king of peace, but he's the conquering king. I wonder right now whether we can offer King Jesus, King Jesus, our biggest clap offering. Regardless of what you're facing, Let's just worship Jesus with a clap offering right now. Don't just clap. Not, not, not the British clap. You know. But let's clap. Let's cheer. And I promise you, there will be a shift that happens. Can you sense it already? There's a shift that happens of faith. Because we wrestle not against um, flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and every high thing. So right now, let's offer Jesus our clap offering and our shout of victory. After three. One, two, three. We hope that you enjoyed this message. For many more resources and for more information, visit our website at www.life-cc.org.